Welcome to Warrior's Day Off, a podcast where we will share stories of life's unexpected struggles and conversations about the many faces of courage, strength, hope, and survival. So it's with an open heart, an open mind, and without judgment that we begin this experience together. I'm Jennifer Eby. Everyone has a story, and each is unique to their personal circumstances. At Warrior's Day Off, we are simply a place where guests and listeners can take a break from society's expectations or definition of what strong looks like, sounds like, and feels like. It's not our intention to provide medical or legal advice, nor to suggest that any one way is the right way. I'm inspired by these stories. Perhaps you will be too. Today's episode, Verto Education, a transformative gap year without the gap. Joining us today via Zoom is Mitch Gordon, founder of Verto Education, a first semester or year abroad program founded on the premise that not all students need to take the same linear path to earning their college degree. Designed to be a gap year without the gap, all Verto courses earn transferable college credits, keeping students on their original four-year graduation timeline. Admission to Verto includes a guaranteed admission to at least one of their partner schools. There are currently over 45 partner universities across 20 states, Washington, D.C., and four countries. Mitch Gordon is the former entrepreneur-in-residence at the UC Berkeley Haas School of Business. He started a number of companies in the fields of travel and education, including Go Overseas, which has been described as the most trusted resource for researching international education programs around the world. Also joining us today via Zoom is Mariana Steiner, a student who will tell us about her transformative year and her Verto experience. I have known Mariana Steiner since her first day of school in second grade. Over the years, I have been inspired by her heart, her artistic expression, and by her strength and courage. She has agreed to share her Verto experience and personal journey with us today. Mitch, Mariana, welcome. Hi, it's so nice to be here. Great to be here, Jen, and that was a really nice introduction in a bunch of different ways. I did a, a semester abroad, actually a year abroad in France when I was in college, and it was transformative for me as well. And so I just love what you're doing. So thanks for being here. Happy to be here. Would you start us out with the genesis of Verto, your vision, and how it's grown over the years since you first started it? Sure. I will try to keep that answer short. That's a tough <laughs> one because there's a lot in that one for me. Uh, I think... You know, anytime for almost every entrepreneur, um, anyone who's trying to positively impact the systems of our society, it tends to come through your own life experience um, and things you saw that work for you that you feel could make the world a better place if you can offer those kinds of experiences to other, other people, other human beings, um, especially the young people. And for me, um, when I spent time abroad, uh, after college, actually, I did not study abroad. So I spent a year after college in Taiwan studying Chinese and teaching English. Uh, it was totally transformative for my life in a bunch of different ways. I think, first of all, it gave me a lot of the independent independence and resilience and grit and determination that you're dealing with a lot of different stuff when you spend a semester or year abroad. Mariana knows this. I'm sure she'll share her experiences in a bit from Verto. But um, I, just I didn't even realize how much I'd grown and learned, actually. I think it planted a lot of seeds 
in me when I was 22 and I did that, that are still with me now, that resulted in Virto education, that resulted in a lot of the really interesting journeys in my own life. So I had that experience in Taiwan. And um, as I became an entrepreneur and I spent the last 16 years as an entrepreneur in, in higher education, there's a lot of talk now about how higher education uh, needs, some, needs to change a bit, that we need to provide opportunities to all students um, and ultimately that are, I think, the progress of our young human beings, their ability to engage in the world and have jobs and be successful depends on the education system. It depends on, our democracy depends on that. And I think our education system does a pretty good job in some ways of educa educating the mind. Um, it doesn't do a great job of uh, educating the heart, of educating um, real life experience of emotional um, experience. And I, I actually, I'll go back to my Taiwan experience. In addition to all that, the tangible skills it gave me. I think it gave me a number of intangible skills in the way that I view the world. You know, it made me, there's the quote that um, when you travel, you don't, you, you don't only learn about another culture, but really what you, you learn about is your own culture. And you look at American culture differently. And I think if every human being had the opportunity to view their culture through a new set of eyes, to realize that we're all in this together in the world of just different perspectives, just different approaches to life, that can create sort of an opening of emotional engagement with not only the world, but your own life experience, a curiosity about life um, that can really serve our young people differently. And so um, Virto Education really came from them looking at the system of higher education. So I kind of, what I did there is share a bunch of my general philosophy I'll now uh, finish answering your question by the specifics of Verto and what we're trying to do. Well, it's what you said. It's the first year of college, either one semester or full year. Um, or Mariana's case, she's actually doing her sophomore year with us, which is a brand new program now. And so the goal there is that I think if there's really this coming of age year, if there are people who've read Joseph Campbell and the Hero's Journey or things like that, that we need these sort of experiences in our lives as not just young people, but adults, but we're talking about young people here, our 17, 18 year olds, that um, provide a safe place to explore, to make space, to, to make mistakes, to um, engage with the world in a way where you come into adulthood. I think of it as a coming of age experience and lots of other traditional societies have those experiences in, in, um, in their lives, but Western culture typically doesn't. And so what we're trying to show is actually that the traditional college experience of just going to college for four years and being in a classroom for four years, we can give our young people so much more that spending that first year, semester or year of college abroad, learning not only in the classroom, but outside the classroom, experiential education, service learning, all of those things can be incredibly powerful towards them succeeding not only in college, but in life, in job readiness, in ability to handle different situations, to be emotionally healthy, to have tools in which to self-regulate, all of these things. And we wrap that at Verto all into credits, right? So it's not the kind of mod, the more specifics of our model is that students get either one semester or a year of college. And it maps to all of our partner schools. Our, their application to Verto is their application to our now 65 partner colleges. Um, and so students are doing their first year of college. A lot of people look at gap year as fluffy, like you mentioned the gap year without a gap. What we've done is taken all of the, the great experiential pieces of a gap year and combined it with the substantive parts of um, the first year of college education. And I think that combination has been really powerful for our students and our families. So you had with Go Overseas, 
you had this sort of inside view of, of different programs that have been out there for a really long time. So what is it that you saw, because you've got this clearly this entrepreneurial mindset, but what did you see that was missing? What, what is your why? Why Verto? Yeah, it's a really insightful way of putting that question. Yeah, go overseas is basically like a, a TripAdvisor, a Yelp, an Airbnb for all meaningful travel programs. So study abroad, volunteer abroad, internships, gap year programs. And so you're right. I got to see basically the way all these different models operated and see how they fit together in the larger higher education system and, and go overseas. I worked with a lot of universities as well. And um <clears throat> The why really is I looked at and I got to know so many students who've had these types of life experiences. And when you talk to someone, like you mentioned, you went to France, your face lit up, right? You, you refer to it as a really powerful life experience. Everyone who spends time abroad refers to it as one of the more powerful, transformative growth experiences of their lives. So why shouldn't we have that for every one of our young people? Um, we should want to provide powerful experiences as part, high impact experiences as part of our education system, but we don't. And I'll, I, I often ask this as a quiz, um, but you know, actually, why not make it a little interactive? What percentage of American college graduates study abroad by the time they graduate? I believe it's 1% or a very small percent, isn't it? What is it? 5%. Um, if you, if you start counting like week long faculty led programs and summer programs, which are much shorter, it gets closer to 10%. So just imagine if we lived in a world where instead of it being 5%, because five per, you know, a semester abroad is when you go through culture shock, right? You go through the emotional experience. You have to deal with certain things that help you grow when you go through that. Um, learning another language, learning how to order food, problem solving, all these things in a semester. Imagine if rather than being 5%, it was 30% or 40% or wow, 50% or more. Imagine, imagine the different world that we would live in. Imagine how the way we talk to each other as human beings, our politics would be different if we all could view the world through another culture's eyes. And so that was really my why. And I spent, um, you know, really answering your question the right way. I thought for years about what would be a model, a transformative model that would give all types of students that experience. And for a lot of reasons, this first year of college, um, you know, it, when I talk to families and parents and high school counselors, they, they talk about three main things that make the Verto experience sort of transformative, right? First of all, they, the number one is the actual academics in and out of the classroom. That it's, they can just see when they look at it that it's better than they would get on a college campus, right? In a 300-person lecture hall or something like that. Mm -hmm. number, that's the number one difference maker for Verto. The number two is the admission into our partner colleges, right? That's a totally new innovative thing that they can start college in this way and gain admission and they're exactly on the four-year path. And the third part is that we have a real focus on affordability, right? Um, across the board. And we have wealthy families that start college with Verto and we have a real focus on low-income students and students of color diversity. Um, and so we really focus on affordability for people from all different backgrounds. And so I think those three parts of our model combined to offer something that is just truly different and unique. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because historically uh, abroad programs have been criticized for being exclusively for the wealthy. So and I think uh, I think I read a statistic that 70, almost 70 percent white students also. So how does Verto help make these opportunities more widely accessible? I'll start by being honest and saying, I think it's a system problem. 
right? Higher education doesn't need to be this expensive. I mean, I'm going to repeat that because we've all assumed societally, we've taken for granted that higher education should cost $70,000 a year, but it doesn't need to, right? Here's another data point. 15% of what students pay in tuition and fees go to things that actually students experience. 15%. So when someone's paying $70,000, 15% of that is going to what the students actually experience and the rest is going to, um, you know, sports teams and, you know, building fancy buildings and um, research and other things that maybe are important, but we're putting that on the backs of our young people. Jen, when you and I went to school, it wasn't that way. So it's really skyrocketed in cost. And so really when I answer that question of why, how does Verto make it affordable? The main question I ask is why is college so expensive? It just doesn't need to be. And so what we focus on is all of the tuition and all of the fees student students pass go directly to the student experience. They go to the inside the classroom experience. It goes to the outside the classroom experiences. And it's not, shouldn't be that expensive to run an amazing 14 and a half week semester for students um, when you're, all you're focusing on are the best possible academics in the world and the best possible outside the classroom experience in the world to, to offer the students um, you know, real, real growth. So that's what we focus on. And when you do it that way, it doesn't need to be that expensive. And then we also lean into scholarships for our low-income students, for our students of color, in particular, first-generation students, really first-gen across the board is what we want to serve as well. Um, and I think that also provides a really helpful experience to all the students, because then they're getting not only the diversity outside the classroom by living in another culture, but they're getting diversity inside the classroom as well. And actually, Mariana, you'll see that even more this fall in Costa Rica than you did in Hawaii, because Costa Rica is our most diverse program. So you'll see students from all over the United States, from all, all different backgrounds. And that actually doesn't happen on a lot, a lot of college campuses. For a student who wants to apply to Verto, they can use the FAFSA and possibly qualify for financial aid in addition to the scholarships you mentioned and grants? That's exactly right. So think about it this way. Students get exactly the same access to federal financial aid and Pell Grants and all of those things that they would at a regular college because they're starting college. It's exactly the same. We're just delivering the college experience in a very different way. So yeah, all the financial aid piece is exactly the same as it is at a college. Would you describe some of the programs and the different locations and we've touched a little bit of Hawaii and Costa Rica, but would you describe some of the differences of your pro in your programs? And I know you also have a, an honors change the world program. So would you describe some of that for us? Yeah, we have five semester locations right now. Um, they are, there's three in Europe in London and in Spain and in Italy in Florence. And actually I should have mentioned I'm in Florence right now. I almost did this outside from a cafe with oh. a, like a nice statue in the background, but I thought that it might be distracting. Um, <clears throat> so and those are our three European locations. And I'm here, by the way, visiting with our team here and getting ready for the fall, um, which is we're going to have just an amazing, phenomenal program in, in, in Florence. And then our other two program locations are in Hawaii and in Costa Rica. We have another program uh, that we run in non-COVID times. That's a month each in Fiji and Australia and New Zealand. Unfortunately, still we can't run that because Fiji, well, sorry, Australia and New Zealand are not allowing students in or any visitors in, so we can't run that now. So those are our five locations and there are some differences between them. We'll also launch um, two or three more locations next fall, fall 22. Are we, is there a sneak peek? Like, do we get a uh, sneak peek? Of the, the I thought scoop? you were going to ask that. That's and then I thought, should I answer that question? We haven't even decided as a team yet. <laughs> I would love to give a sneak peek. I'll say uh, 
the team would kill me though if it if it if it got out there somehow. But I'll say we'll probably have another. Well, actually, here's what I'll do. I'll take what we're doing in two years. So we'll certainly have another European location um, in the next couple, at least maybe a couple more, maybe maybe Prague, maybe Ireland, maybe France. Um, we'll certainly have another one in, in, in Latin America, you know, either in Central America or South America. Um, we'll have a, a uh, we will have an Africa program. We'd like to have that at some point too. Um, and, and an Asia program for sure. We actually did run a Thailand, China program, right, the last one before coronavirus, but obviously still too early to bring that back, but we'll have an Asia program as soon as we can too. Exciting stuff. All right. Well, um, what about the change the world program? Will you describe that? Sure. Yeah. So that is, that's our first time we're running that this fall. And I, I'm so excited about what that program is. It is a, so they're going to be in London and then they'll be in, um, in the, the first semester of this fall, they'll be in London. And then the spring semester, they'll be in Costa Rica. So they'll spend their first full year of college with us. Um, for that program, we're focused even more on outside the classroom experiential education. So um, there's more engagement with faculty. There's more outside the classroom stuff and field trips and things that they'll be doing in London. There will be tangible things like they're going to take field trips to businesses and, you know, learn about the local politics in England and the local business system, you know, one of the largest in the world in London. So that first semester will be focused on that. Um, and then the second semester in Costa Rica, they'll be focused on environmental education and sustainability. Um, you know, Costa Rica has one of the most sustainable economies and uh, focus on uh, in, in a sustainable environment in the world. So they'll focus on that. And throughout the entire year, they'll be kind of, uh, will be intertwining in their coursework and their curriculum kind of critical issues uh, like climate change, politics, um, business, international business, things like that as themes throughout the program that we want to give them some insight into. And then they'll deliver a capstone presentation at the end of, at the end of the year about all their learning. Um, and they'll be, it'll be the same students all year. So they'll really get to know each other well. And they'll also have some faculty that'll be with them all year. And you also uh, mentioned that Mariana is sort of doing a, a pilot sophomore year or sophomore semester. So are you planning on expanding this beyond the first year semester or a year? We, we are, um, and we are doing that this fall. So we have, um, I was amazed actually at the response that we had from our students. Um, a full third of the students who uh, were with us in the spring, um, so applied to stay with us for the fall. And we were pretty selective because it's a pilot program. So it really needed to be students like Mariana that have a certain level of maturity and academic achievement during their year that, because they're really gonna be quasi faculty as well, kind of, you know, supporting the freshmen. Um, you know, they'll, they'll be in meetings with, with staff and faculty. Sometimes we wanna, it's going to be an internship too. And so we have a group of students um, starting that with us this fall in, and they'll all be in Costa Rica together. That's so exciting. I mean, I can't even imagine like just, if you're studying so many different topics I mean, if you're environmental impact or policy or international, really anything to be able to go to different countries for different semesters, it's crazy. I mean, that's just so great. All right, Mariana, you, I read your article uh, on the blog, Vienna Waits for You. You wrote, right when society expected you to have your life figured out, you were struck by a global pandemic and heavy depression that crushed any excitement you held on to for your future. The glowing prize that everyone around you had fantasized for you over the years suddenly vanished and was replaced by a dark cloud of anxiety and hopelessness. 
But that all begins to change as you begin to relive those moments of childhood bliss and carefree joy through diving deep into local experiences. Would you tell us about your Verto experience? Yeah, I mean, there's so much to talk about. I don't even know where to begin. I'll start from when I found Verto and kind of about that quote. When I was applying to colleges, I was kind of just doing the same thing as everyone, like applying to some prestigious schools, some safety schools, some like in between schools. And I didn't really have a favorite, like all my friends had their dream school that they really wanted to get into and they would do anything to get in there. They like would apply early decision, whatever. And I didn't really have that. I never fantasized about a specific school. I never like really fantasized about like my college experience at all. I didn't think of it as, oh, it's going to be like the best years of my life. I kind of just thought like, oh, I'll go, I'll have fun. And then like, I'll learn stuff. And then after that, like, that's when my life begins. Like that's when I'll travel. And that's when I'll like actually do stuff that I want to do. And so I applied to schools. I got into most of them. I spent like probably a month and a half with my dad, like ranking them based on specific things. And it still wasn't working. And then that's when COVID happened. And I was like, well, now I can't visit any of the schools either. So like, how am I going to choose? And I felt so stuck. And I remember that's when I, like, I got really, really sad and I felt really hopeless because everyone already had committed to their schools before COVID happened. And I was the only one of my friends left that didn't. It was commitment day on May 1st. I was going through my Instagram, seeing all my friends like, oh, just committed here, like posting with their merch, like all happy. And I was, I wish I could be like them. And I remember in the back of my head, all I wanted to do was travel. Like, that's what I would tell my mom. I was like, why can't I just not go to college and travel? I can like work at a coffee shop and sustain myself that way. Like whatever it takes. Then if I really, really want to do something professional, then I'll like go to like a community college earn credits and get a degree that way. Like that's what I want to do. And so when I was going through my Instagram that day, a Verto ad came up on my stories and I was like, what is this? And it was like, travel your first semester abroad, like earn credits and then transfer somewhere else. And I was like, this is not real. Like this sounds way too good to be true. Like it's literally what I've been like asking for. Like it feels like it just like dropped into my lap. And I was like, this is not real. So I tapped through it. And then like the next day it came up again and again and again. So I was like, okay, this is getting a little bit like crazy. So I swiped up on the ad and it took me to their website and I started looking at it and I was like, okay, this seems legit. So then I reached out to the admissions. I think it was Josh. He told me how it would work with like COVID and I got really excited. So then I was like, okay, like let's do a call with my parents. So I called him with my parents. We were eating dinner and we like set up the Zoom and he was like eating dinner with us. And it was like a nice family meal. It was very like homey. And that's like kind of when I, that was like my first introduction to Virto. So it was really nice to see like how personal the connections are, even with the staff. And that was like just the beginning. So like, I really got to learn that as my experience with Virto went on, how personal the connections are with everyone. I did my first semester online with Virto. And then I went to Hawaii in February of this year. And that was really like the best three months of my life. I don't even know how to start talking about it, but it definitely is like a lifelong transformative experience. Will you talk a little bit about like what that felt like when you got on the plane and off you went so far away on your own? Um, it was definitely scary. It's the first time that I've been away that far and for so long for my family. And I think that's like the same for a lot of the people going. So that kind of gave me some comfort knowing that I wasn't alone. There were two girls on my flight who were also going to Hawaii. So I met them and one of them is my best friend and she's, we're gonna be roommates in college when I transferred to her the college that she's going to. So that's kind of crazy that we met there. But at first it was nerve wracking. I mean, I cried the night before. I was like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know, like it was just like very unknown. Definitely a lot of it was just a leap of faith. I've never felt the distance 
between like home and like going somewhere else. Like when I've been traveling, I've always known that I was going to come back soon. But like this was like a more like three months is a lot of time, like a lot changes in three months, a lot changes at home and a lot changes with you. So I kind of went in knowing that when I came home, it was going to be like hard and different. It was just a very unique feeling knowing that like I was going to be 5,000 miles away from everything that I've ever known, basically. So Yeah, I felt, but after crying, after letting it all out and then like admitting to my friends and like communicating with them, we all felt like a lot better. So you wrote about that in the beginning, you were a little guarded, uh, self-protective. And then at a certain point, you felt comfortable to let go and be in the moment and you felt more connected and you, you wrote about that feeling of connection and how, you know, back home you had the phone and your social media and all of that, which felt like that was how you were supposed to stay connected. But here, none of that was what you were using to be connected. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So I would say for the first month, I was definitely more, I wasn't really homesick, but I was definitely still more like Uh, worrying about what was going on at home. I would be on my phone a lot more like talking, trying to talk to friends at home because the time difference was really hard to do that. Like just trying to stay connected and like updated on what was happening at home, even though it was kind of irrelevant to my life when I was away. Like I didn't really care like who was going out with who or like whatever, like that didn't really matter to me, but I just felt like that's what I've been doing for the past four years in high school. So like I should still try to keep up with that. Um, So that definitely like hindered my growth, I would say. I don't know, it hindered like my vulnerability with like the people around me in person. Cause I would, I was so worried about what was going on like with my friends at home that I wasn't worried about like making connections with my new friends. The first month I was roommates with someone in my cohort. So I was kind of more exposed to just people from my group. And then I switched to my roommate Felicia who I met at the airport. And so that's when I started making friends in both cohorts. Cause she was in the other cohort. So I started like making more friends and that, then I was like, why would I be worried about what's going on at home? I'm going to get home and then I'm going to be so sad and like regret not making connections here. So that's when it kind of clicked in my head that I had to like put the phone away, like only use it when I really wanted to reach out to someone and just like kind of start living in the moment. Cause my favorite thing in the world is memories. And if I'm not making memories, then like what I have nothing to look back on except like, Oh, I was on my phone. Like that's kind of, I can do that at home. Like you said, when you were in France, like I can do a lot of things at home. Why would I be doing things that I can do at home when I'm in somewhere so new with people that I like will probably never get to meet like these types of people again. The types of people that I met are all amazing and I would never be exposed to that in my hometown. So I really, I realized that in Kona and then that's when I started making more like connections and like being more open with everyone. I saw the picture of you carrying rocks and what were you doing? That was actually one of my favorite days. That's when we went to Auntie P's farm in Kona. That's Heat's, uh, Heatu. He's one of the local leaders. That's his mom's farm. And she runs a nonprofit organization to help Hawaiian kids, like Native Hawaiian kids, get off the streets or like get do something more purposeful with their lives because a lot of them kind of don't really care about education or don't really care about like their culture. So it's kind of helping the kids be more in touch with their culture through farming and through the connection with the land. So when we went up there, that was like the first time that I like put my phone away for an entire day during the trip. And it was like, that, that was the best I felt during the whole trip or that was like the start of the best that I would be feeling. And we just like farmed, we helped um, pick rocks. We helped plant coffee trees, but it wasn't even just like the farming that was amazing. It was like the way that we saw the natives treating the land. I've never seen that before. Cause usually everywhere in a farm, it's more like producing food to feed people or producing products. But here it was like, It was producing products, but it was doing it in a way that was like, you treat the land as part of your family, basically. That's what the Hawaiian natives do. Like, that's what their culture is. It's treating the land as equal 
And it's basically, they would literally treat it as like a member of their family. We learned on a Hawaiian story about the Kalo plants, which is like the taro leaf plants. And they basically see that as their like first brother, the first Hawaiian brother, because it was born from the two gods who created the islands. So just like little things like that made me realize that like nature is a living thing. Like it has energy. And like, I felt the energy rating off of me when I switched my perspective from like getting things from the land to getting things and giving back to the land. And that kind of changed my whole life basically. Wow. You also have a picture of swimming with some really big sharks. Usually I'd be terrified of swimming with sharks, but then I realized like they're here with me. Like I, if I don't bother them, they're not going to bother me. They're just living like I am. And we're just like observing each other's beings. So it was a really beautiful experience getting to see like all the things that I've been learning and like how I've been changing during the trip. It was on the last day that we did that. So it was kind of like a nice wrap up thing that I was like, I was able to just go in there and like see the sharks, not as like big, scary things, but like as just another living being in the world, like they're doing their thing and I'm doing my thing and we're just observing each other. And it's not like a scary thing. It's just nature. And it's so cool being in nature like that instead of just looking, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's really hard to explain. It's, it's very different being in nature and having that perspective and being in nature and being like scared of it or like scared of like thinking of like the worst case scenario constantly. One of the natives told us like the, you can't make water, but the land can make water for you. You can't make food, but the land can make food for you. So if we don't respect it and if we don't treat it as like, if you don't treat it as your family, you wouldn't disrespect your family. You wouldn't harm your family. So why would you harm the land that gives you literally the necessities to live? And that also, that changed my career actually, because my major, because I was going to go into international relations and now I want to go into sustainability and environmental science. So I never thought I would say that. It really is game changing when you connect with the earth and with animals and with yourself, ultimately realizing mm-hmm. that, that we're all connected in really meaningful ways that, that, that there's, there's, there's a feeling that happens that opens you up to a whole new different way of interacting in the world and with yourself. And I've experienced that too. And it's, uh, it, it's really helpful on this life journey to have those experiences. Agreed. Yeah, definitely. So the types of academic classes and credits that I think you earned about, did you earn 16 credits per semester? So you've already got 32 going into your trip to Costa Rica. So I know that on your website, uh, Mitch, it talks about how some of the prereqs, you know, some of the basic, those big lecture hall types of classes, writing and um, things like that would be applicable on that year one. What happens now in Costa Rica in year two? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. So actually, if I can push this over to Mariana for a bit, we can go back and forth on this. We can answer this question together. What classes are you signed up for this fall? Um, So far, I'm signed up for international relations, which I'm really excited about, and calculus. I have to call my uh, uh, UVM advisor, which is the college that I'm transferring to, to see which classes would align with my major just to stay on track. But those are the ones that I have so far, but I definitely want to either choose photography, which would be really cool. Um, psychology would also be cool. And uh, I think they have globalization, which that would be really, really cool. Cause that's one of like my favorite things ever. So. Great. Yeah. So what we're doing and Marianne is a good example of this. Cause you can see that she is now we start first year of college abroad and they're doing their general education and their core curriculum, their writing 101, their philosophy 101, doing all their 101 courses. And now as we get into this year, it's, she's starting to think a little bit more about what her major is. And we're, we'll work with, with those sophomore year students to focus on um, courses that they'll be able to use toward, toward that major. So when they're done with their sophomore year, they're, 
they're they're straight going into only only courses for their major as they then complete their last two years of college. When a student is accepted to Virto, they're accepted to they're guaranteed acceptance into at least one of the partner schools. Um, what happens if they want to transfer to a school that's not part of your network? So yeah, there's there's a whole area of how Virto works and the partner the partner college part of it is one of the more confusing aspects of Virto. It actually takes a lot of time for people to understand it because there's nothing else like Virto out there, right? That, that that model doesn't exist anywhere else. And so there's a few different ways people can um, engage with our partner colleges. If they want to, um, actually just on the regular time period, they can be admitted to Virto and a partner school and know their whole four-year path. So for example, in like December, someone could apply through Virto and be early admitted to University of Vermont and know that they're spending their first semester with Virto or year with Virto and then going to University of Vermont. So they already know their whole four-year plan. Some students um, will actually just say, I know I want to start college with Virto and then I'll decide when I'm on my semester and then I'll decide what I want to do next. You know, it's kind of, what kind of family are you from? Are you from one of those, like, I am an over planning and the parents are pushing their student to make a decision or are you more relaxed and say, I'm going to start? No no right or wrong answers there, by the way, just different approaches. Um, And then some students will also go to a non-partner school uh, and we work with that non-partner school to hopefully accept all their credits. Um, We can't guarantee it. What happens the vast majority of the time is that they'll accept the credits and maybe they won't align exactly to gen ed or core curriculum, but increasingly now as Virto is growing, more students are growing, um, that that partner schools want our students or, or not even non-partner schools want our students. And um, a lot of couple other nuanced points there, which is which is I think really important. And one is to say, people will often ask me, why, why does a school want to pre-admit a student through Virto? Like why would University of Vermont do that? Why would they trust Virto that much? Um, University of Oregon, University of Tennessee, College of William and Mary, we work Bucknell, we work with so many great schools in our 65 partner schools. And I think it's because our partner schools, they see that they're going to have a student like Mariana on campus. And not every student is like that. And so they want students that have had that life experience. And one of the things I always say is that students put a lot of stuff on their resume <laughs> before they go to school, right? A lot of stuff that they did in high school. But Virto is like living your resume, right? You can't fake that stuff. It is actually shows a lot about your, your bravery, your commitment, your connection, your independence. It says so many nice things about you that you're committing to spending a first semester doing what we do on the semester. So, so many uh, colleges increasingly see that, that they benefit from having our students on their campus afterwards because it adds to the campus environment, to the campus culture. It's been uh, gap years have been uh, more popular, I think, over in Europe and in other countries. Uh, it seems do you see a growing trend happening here now. It's funny. We we only we have made gap year a four letter word at FERTA <laughs> um, because people have a lot of associations with what gap year means. Right. And so what happens is that there are some people who go, oh, yes, I want a gap year. But a lot of Americans in particular hear the word gap year and they think like a wasted year or a year off or whatever. That's not true about a gap year, but it's definitely not true about Virto because Virto is not a gap year. Virto, Virto is your first year of college. It's really interesting. I'll say like, you know, one of the main questions uh, that I get a lot and our team gets a lot from both parents and high school counselors and faculty is come on. These academics, Mitch, these academics can't be as robust as they are on a real college campus, right? That kind of tone. And every time I have that conversation, 
with a faculty member and I, you know, I meet all the time with presidents of universities and provosts and deans of universities. And every time they give me that skeptical look and give me that skeptical question, and then they pull back the hood and they see what we're doing academically. They see our coursework. They see what the students actually get on the semester and they're converted to realizing that it's actually more academically rigorous in a lot of ways than a college campus. If anyone has any questions or they want to learn more about Verto Education, they can go to vertoeducation.org. Right. And it's a rolling admission. Is that how it works, Mitch, for somebody who's interested in applying? It is. Yeah. But 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 we actually have, have semesters that are full. Um, but uh, but yes, it is rolling. It, it is rolling admission. Um, and uh, we our perspective on admissions is that we have a whole truly holistic view of it. If a student wants to have this experience and they can handle the academics, we want them on our, we want them on Virto Experience. We want to impact as many students as possible. I actually share, um, you know, another quick as we're, if I have, do I have another minute to share another? Absolutely. Another quick anecdote. One of the things I think about higher education that could change is this concept of elitism and this concept of bragging about admissions rates. So for example, Harvard has, you know, they'll brag that they have a 5% admission rate. So brag that they only allow 5% of students who apply in. Let's take a step back from that. Let's zoom out as a, on, a, on a societal level and realize what that does to our students and to our society, the level of pressure. And is it healthy? Is it is actually, and as a nonprofit leader in higher education, Harvard, I'm going to pick on Harvard here. Should that actually be something that we're proud of every year to say that we have a 5% admission? If you think you have the best education system in the world, if you think that Harvard's education is um, the most beneficial to your young people, shouldn't you actually want to have as many people experience that education as possible? But slowly in our society over a long period of time, we have become a frog boiling in a pot where we don't realize we've gotten here and we should never have gotten here. We should have a system that lifts up as many of our young people as possible. And from a virtual education perspective, we want to impact deeply as many of our young students as we, as many young citizens as we can. And I will put our educate, I will genuinely put our education system up against Harvard's any day. And by the way, within a few years, we're going to have data to show that our students are going to be more successful in college and in life than Harvard students. And I hope that we can kind of break that bragging on admissions numbers because it's not healthy and when we look and by the way jen when you and i were, were growing up and applying to colleges it wasn't like this and there were schools that you had yeah you have admission standards that's important but what's happened is that from top down now we've gotten to a point where there's so much pressure to succeed on a test to be admitted um, than it is to just learn learning should be fun learning should be an experience learning should be about engaging with your world and we're really trying to change the frame of the way we view education societally uh, for our young people. Re-entering back into society uh, is, is not an easy thing to do after an experience that's transformative. Will you talk about some of those challenges? And Mitch, also, um, if you could add to how you at Verto support the students in that process. Mariana? Um, yeah, like I said, when you were talking before, it was the, one of the hardest things about um, doing this experience is coming home. And I knew coming home that it would be difficult, but I did not expect it to be as difficult as it was because it's such a unique experience that barely anyone gets to have. So coming home and like being so transformed during my experience, I came home to like all my old friends who hadn't really transformed as much as I did. Obviously, like they all went to their own school, so they changed in some ways, but 
trying to like portray myself the way that I had changed to them when they only knew like my pre Virto experience self was really difficult. And sharing my experiences with them was also very difficult because like there's, I can't really do some things justice. Like the experience on the farm, like even in my, in my paper, like I couldn't even do that feeling justice of like what I felt when I was there or like talking about it. It's so hard to like translate it into words for other people to like kind of capture how important it is to me. Um, so that was very difficult. It was also obviously difficult coming home and like being back with my parents and like being under their roof. I think the hardest thing about it for sure was keeping my new self with like in all, all the old places that I used to be in, like with all the old people that I was surrounded with, like not losing who I became during the trip was the hardest part. And I feel like it still is a challenge every day, like trying to like remember the things that I learned and the way that I changed and knowing that I'm better now than who I was like four months ago. But I feel like it was definitely a transition that I've never had before, but I feel like it was also like a test to myself and a test to see like how much I truly changed and truly like transformed. And I, I definitely see like how much I changed because I survived the transition and I'm here now and I'm better than I've ever been. So, and I'm excited about the future. So it was definitely something, but it was something that I needed to go through. So. Thanks for being so honest about that. Mitch, is there any preparing that they do at Verto for reentry? Yeah. I just want to, again, compliment Mariana. I think your level of emotional awareness, self-awareness, vulnerability, sharing, self-reflection is amazing. We probably don't do enough there, honestly, Jen, yet. And it's really interesting for me to, to think about ways we could support our students when they come home, because it is hard. I remember that too. Reverse culture shock is me too. a real thing. It can feel kind of lonely to feel like you've had all these experiences and everybody else can't relate always to the, the change and the growth and the things that you want to share with other people. And so, um, Mariana, maybe we could even talk about some ways we can support students um, moving forward. We, we are talking about that internally, and actually we are building alumni groups and we bring students back for internships. And so we do, we do things, but I always want to do more. Um, but I'll say too, this fall, having uh, Mariana and her 17 classmates, they're going to be part of our sophomore year with our, we'll have, I don't know if you know, Mariana, we'll have 300 students in Costa Rica this fall. Yeah, um, no, so I'm excited. <laughs> mini college campus. And uh, you'll, I think having you there with a lot of the first year students, you're going to get to now see other people going through what you went through. And that's going to be really interesting for you to see people kind of riding the waves of the emotional experience in their first semester of college. And you'll get to be the wise woman who gets to, you know, listen and share and help them help them develop those tools. Yeah, I think it would have definitely been a lot more helpful if there were people who had gone through what I went through helping us. I think that's what I, I'm really excited to like help the first year students like through this experience and like kind of not warn them, but like prepare them for like the transition home because I feel like I wasn't really prepared for that. Like I try to mentally prepare myself and like my friends and all of us like kind of like knew that it would happen. Like we all knew that we were gonna go through it and we kind of like try to support each other. And we definitely did support each other when we came home. I know like I would call my friends from Hawaii like all the time and I still do like whenever I like didn't feel right or like whenever I needed to talk to someone like who didn't, who like I didn't have here, like people here like didn't understand certain things about the transition. So I would call them and we kind of supported each other, but I feel like it definitely would have helped a lot more to have someone who's already gone through it, helping me through it. So I'm excited to do that for the new students. Great. Amazing. I mean, maybe even you could work with some of the staff in Costa Rica to put together a presentation at the very end, you know, of the semester to kind of prepare the first year students for what it might feel like when they go home on December 11th, which feels like forever from now, but it's yeah, not too far away. So that, that might be something you could work on that would really help a lot of those students. 
Thank you, Mitch, Mariana. Really appreciate you taking time and talking to us today on this podcast. Thank you very much. Those were, that was really fun. And Mariana, so nice to see you. Thank you. Thank you. It was nice seeing you guys. A special thanks to my friends who made this podcast possible today and to the listeners out there. Thanks for giving me a chance and for your time. Rate and review this episode and share with your friends. I find inspiring stories are all around. You just have to tune in. Thanks for joining us today at Warrior's Day Off. This is Jen Evie. You got this.